thank you for the sacrifice that this family has made to serve you. And as Vicky was sharing this morning, Lord, we just pray that you'd help us to be open and responsive to you. Lord, if you're speaking into the hearts of any of us tonight, we pray that you would just open our ears and open our hearts to respond to you. And so, Lord, we just thank you that we can worship together tonight. And as we worship, we pray that your name would be lifted high. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your tender care and your endless mercies. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand as we sing our first song. I think it's interesting, isn't it, how we sang that song this morning, and here we are finding ourselves singing it again tonight. And a bit of what Vicky said this morning about how is God speaking to you? And if he's speaking to you, respond to him. You know, maybe he's calling you out somewhere that's a hard place to go, or you've got to have a lot of faith to step out, something new, something different. And when me and Rich met a few weeks ago now, we kind of talked about that, didn't we? And Rich, do you want to share with us something about how your story began? Um, what, mum and dad, Friday night date? Not, not like that. Okay, right. So, um, I think... Uh, sorry. Uh, I just, you were very specific then. I was just trying to... On Harold Hill, you mean. Okay. Um, I think... Uh, well, Alison and I, before we got together at uni, both had a heart for trying to work with underrepresented people groups. Um, and then we went to Shoebury Baptist... And I was there as youth and children's pastor. And throughout that time, Alison and I, there was a couple of big housing estates near Shoebury Baptist that Shoebury Baptist had very little contact with. And so Alison and I kind of pushed that agenda. And then when I went in to train for the ministry, we stayed at Shoebury. I looked after the church's small groups. And we were able to move on to that small council estate. Um, and that, that was a great experience, and, and Shubri were really generous to us to help us explore that calling, but it became pretty clear that kind of living somewhere that had a very different, well, middle class to working class, it just, we were just going crazy trying to juggle the two, as well as studying at college. And at the same time, we'd heard about this incredible organization called Urban Expression, who, although not Baptist denominationally, they're very closely linked with the Baptist Union, and they have a, a vision to ch plant churches in under-churched areas throughout the UK. Um, and I suppose around that time, the, your part of the story is Ron for Baptist, is Harold Hill Baptist Church shut, and Sheila Martin, if anyone can remember the Liverpudlian regional minister, just a wonderful lady, uh, she, uh, I think she brokered a, a, an agreement between yourselves and the, the closing church for you, I think the church here had expressed a desire to try and sustain Baptist ministry on Harold Hill. Um, and as a church, you were exploring how we're going to do that. And you came across Urban Expression. And Alison and I, well, as I was leaving Spurgeon's, we, we really wanted to explore this. So, yeah, we went to Urban Expression. I didn't think I was a church planter. Still don't, after 12 years. But I, So I assumed that we might go and be like the second or third leader's of a, of a church plant. So the pioneer would have gone in and done the hard work and I would then come in and enjoy the glory years of it growing and um, being really successful was, um, was what I thought would happen. Or we'd land up on a council estate with a church, which I suppose in a similar way to what was Harold Hill Baptist Church, predominantly elderly congregation who wanted a good hymn sandwich on a Sunday but were willing to let me play through the rest of the week. But we drove around Harold Hill and just felt at home straight away, just that divine sense of call. We just knew it was going to be home. And, and Alison's from Gantz Hill, and um, during our last year of courting, when I was at Shoebury, and, you know, she was still at uni, just dr driven over Gallows Corner more times than I care to remember, and never knew Harold Hill really existed. You know, I knew the, the that corner and the burnt-out pub and all that lot, for those who remember that before KFC. I bet it's all your favourite restaurant now, isn't it? But the, the, <laughs> the, before that happened, I just that's all I knew. And, and then some, someone at college said, oh, they're looking for an Urban Expression team on Harold Hill. And I went, Harold where? And found it. And there was somebody else looking. Urban Expression were talking to somebody else first. And I was just... Um, kept pointing out to this person at college, you heard there's a really good church up north or whatever, just because we'd driven around it and felt this was definitely the right place for us, but they were doing the kind of church dating thing of like Urban Expression were talking to somebody else and 
we had to wait and then we settled quite late. But yeah, when we, we drove around it, we, we just knew that God, that was God's story for us. And it's, and it's you know, there was no income. We went totally self-funded. Uh, Romford were very generously providing the manse, but if anyone's been around, it's a lovely big house. And so we were going to have to find a council tax for that big house and all the bills for it. And we had no income and uh, we didn't believe it was right at Shoebury to kind of do the whole please support us thing. There's nothing wrong with that form of mission, but just for a number of reasons, we didn't feel called to do that. And, you know, within a couple of months through Sheila breaking all the home mission rules and through God's people just being really faithful. And, and, we, and you know, right now we're ringing people who have given to us financially for 12 years going, flipping it, you've, you started with us 12 years ago. You've never really asked any questions. You've, you've just been asked polite encouragement after we sent newsletters. And we, we just want to tell you this is the last month and we're really, really grateful. But just God, God's people have been incredibly faithful to, to us or that his church has or God has through his church, whatever the correct theological term is. But we're just blown away by people. And, and the amazing thing at Shubri is when we left, just people we didn't really know in the congregation said, God's laid it on my heart to give to you. And 12 years later, those people are still giving to us. We didn't really know them when we were at Shubri. It's just God's goodness to place mission on people's hearts. So that, that's how Harold Hill started. So there's a whole bunch of things in that, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. The sense of God's calling, his provision, all the way through that sense that you actually knew the area, even though you didn't know mm. it. That sense of always having that passion to share Christ in uh, an area like Harold Hill, mm. and then driving through that sense of this is it, this is right, and RBC being at the right place at the right time as well, and... It's, uh, it's exciting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's great. It's a good. I mean, it's a good story. It's yeah, and isn't that what it's about? What Vicky was saying this morning, you know, that actually when God is calling us to something new, it's multiple things fall into place, don't they? As God directs us and opens the doors for us. So, when you first arrived, then, Rich, where on earth did you start doing a ministry? How? Where well, did this, you start? Yeah, well, this is where many people laugh because we decided the first year we weren't going to do anything. We we're just going to do listening. But people who know me know that I've not said no. Never said no in my life. <laughs> I, I think we knew family was going to be important. I suppose partly because you know we had two kids, and then Alison was pregnant with Anya at the time. She turned twelve last week, so it's just frightening. You know, mm-hmm. now. quickly all that's gone, um, and. And then Alison went to the children's centre just as a mum, you know, just trying to keep her own sanity with a five-year-old and two-year-old while I was starting to settle in. And, um, and, and then I went and joined her one day and she'd already met some families and people, because just Alison's far better listening than I am, people just started to pour out stories to her. And, and then we met the local dad's participation worker, Borough's father's participation worker. And he said oh, we, we want to run some parenting courses. And my mother-in-law, who is a wonderful woman, don't you tear tell her I said that, um, <laughs> she worked in Tower Hamlets and she ran this incredible parenting course in Tower Hamlets. And Alison and I said, you know, when we get to Harold Hill, I really need to get trained up on that parenting course because I think it'd be great to deliver. It costs £1,500 to train to do that course, which, remember I said we had no money back when we started, which just was like, okay, we'll use some of our savings, we'll, we'll, we'll take a punt on doing this. But the father's participation worker said, I'm running this parenting course. We're looking for more male leads. You're a local church minister. Can you lead? And I said, oh, I'm, I'll, you know, okay, I'll talk to Alison about getting trained up. Don't worry, we'll cover those costs. You get trained up. The course is starting next week if you want to come and get trained up. And we were like, well, we had a heart to do that. But then God has just flown open this door in the first couple of weeks of being on the hill. So, and then we, we just tried to be places and listen. And I think, you know, the challenge as we move on into traditional shaped church is making sure you have the time to hear the local story not just the church's story but hear the local story so um i knew not having you know shubri had three services on a sunday when we left there you know i was tired of doing church all day on a sunday so I've, i so i knew thought i oh, will i'll go and have a pint in a local pub every sunday night and so i just everybody i met for the first three months whether it would be a police policewoman or person to check out the gp i'd be like what's the worst pub on harold hill i want to, if jesus if jesus is relevant for harold hill he's going to be found in the worst pub on harold hill and the pompadours came top of that pole <laughs> and rightly so um and so and so that's kind of how we did you know we just deliberately spent time in places tried to listen the parenting courses flung open lots of doors it's quite intense but quite challenging um and started drinking in the pompadours, never been so scared. I never prayed so hard on a Sunday night in my entire life as walking in there the first time. 
and no one spoke to me for five weeks, so it's just, except the barmaid to give me a pint, and that was just really interesting. Um, and then, um, and then we started delivering these parenting courses. So we kind of started having little bits start, starting in different places. I was working with the youth service for a couple of sessions a week just to kind of keep our income up, up to manageable. And, um, and then out of those parenting courses, it's a really intense course. It's 13 weeks long for three hours a week. So that's pretty intense. I'd say commitment from people, but social workers made them come on it. So, well, you know, they were like, oh, I better go kind of thing. Um, and, and then at the end of it, they'd form community and people were like, what do we do now? So Alison and I, we, we deliberately held the graduation. If you've been up to the Manson Harold, it's got a beautiful back garden. So we deliberately had the graduation, got the MP round to our house. I, I behaved myself, put a shirt on. Um, and we, we just try to make it connect with people. And then people said, can we carry on meeting? So we, we just had on a Thursday night, we just had like crumpets and jam and things at our, our house and people could come. And, and then um, Alison started doing jacket potatoes and people started bringing fillings. And then at some point someone said, oh yeah, what, what is communion? And I can't remember. I think we had a couple of kind of Catholics in that, that group as well. And at this point it was like six or seven families plus ourselves, plus Stephen Lauren. Well, oh, well, we'll do communion next week then, if you want. And we kind of did communion and that. And then they were like, this is cool. Can we do it every week? Like, cool. And I think that's kind of how our gathering started. And, um, and then at the same time, carried on doing stuff in the Pompadours. And I, I think I would describe myself as a chaplain in lots of places on Harold Hill, minister chaplain. Um, and on the Pompadours, I ended up doing a lot of funerals. They asked me to do a carol service, um, which was hilarious because the landlady said we do a carol service here. Because the previous Anglican minister used to lead a carol service in the pub and he'd moved on. And this was a guy renowned for driving his Harvey Davidson motorbike and like hang around in his leathers and things like that. And I thought, okay, I bet he didn't lead nine lessons and carols here in this pub. And I said to the landlord, what, what did he do in the carol service? And she just, I could tell she was really cross to me asking, she just went, he did a carol service, Rich. That's all you need to do, a carol service. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get lynched here if I turn up and have my son sing the first chorus of once in, first verse of Once in Royal David City or whatever. So I slowly asked everyone in the pub, oh, what did he do at the carol service? Oh, yeah, him and his wife, they were nightclub singers before he became a minister, so he'd turn up and sing all the Christmas songs. I was like, okay, I can't do that. And, uh, and they'd always finish with Fairy Tale of New York, and everyone would be singing. I was like, okay, that's a really Christmassy song. I can't sing it. Um, so we kind of adapted it, and then they liked the carol service, so they said, oh, can you do an Easter carol service? So we'll actually sing hymns at Easter, but I'm a rubbish Christian. I don't know any Easter hymns, but should we have like an Easter family fun day and, and just share the Easter message? Yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant, Rich. Let's come and do that. And, and the landlady, she's a very hard lady. Um, I don't think I would have ever crossed her, um, but she really loved what we did. And then I just did lots of funerals, did her husband's funeral. I think nearly 900 people turned up to that funeral at Corbett's Tale, which is just incredible. So just a real opportunity to nail my colours to my mast in that first year and say, look, I'm a believer in Jesus. I know Terry wasn't. We talked about that a lot. Um, I hope these words give you comfort, you know, so he, he never told me off for saying them to him. I hope you don't mind. On the, you know, so it was just God used pain and moments of difficulty to kind of share that in those first years. And I think those early years set the rhythms of the different relationships that we had with people as that grew. And then our main gathering continued to be people we met at parenting courses, which was a challenge and was a weakness of what we did, I think, um, because it meant that a lot of the family's conflict, crisis, were two of the main driving um, challenges in their lives, main driving characteristics of their lives, being in conflict and crisis all the time. And, um, yeah, I think that had differing impacts on how successful or not we've been, depending on how you manage your success in church life, yeah. So what... At the end of that first year, what were your hopes and aims for being there? Because obviously by then you got a bit of chance to kind of formulate and have a sense of where God was leading. What were you hoping? What were, you, what were your dreams for Harold Hill? Yeah, so I think we started kind of in the September time. The following November we had a fireworks night, <laughs> which broke all the health and safety every year, but we've finished doing it now, so I can share that with you, can't I? Um, and we just, we had a huge number of people there and it was great because we had a really cool discussion. Actually, Peter Timothy and Alison had the kids building guys in the foyer of the old Baptist chapel. I think they had 30 kids wedged in that foyer, which was tiny. I mean, it just, I beg as belief that I even did that to them, but I did, so that we could have a proper adult conversation with the adults about what did you want community to be like? And I think 
we really wanted to pursue the Baptistness of kind of conversation, discerning community. We recognized a lot of people had conflict, so people needed to learn how to have conversations in healthier ways. And that meant being free to express frustration, anger, but in a healthy way, and also listening to a different point of view. We really wanted indigenous leadership. We wanted leadership to come from within Harold Hill. And, and for a time that did, and then for a number of safeguarding reasons that, that had to stop and that. I think when we look back, the most painful moment on the hill will, would have been those safeguarding moments which just torpedoed relationships that we had uh, really built up. And actually some of those people we would consider as fr like really close friends at the time. And also they were showing the potential of being leaders within the church. So um, that, you know, it was right that those, I mean, you journeyed that with me because you were one of our safeguarding leads and it was, we took the right action. I don't regret the action that we took, but unfortunately that, that action torpedoed some of those real challenges. So in that, at the end of that year, we've actually got a book, I'm going to keep it, where all our team meetings where we planned our weekly events and in there are different bits where we're like, what's this going to look like? And we had hoped it would have been 20, 30 people, including kids, gathering weekly, celebrating Jesus, getting to know what Jesus looks like in their lives. And I think for a while we did that pretty well, actually. We didn't ever get the indigenous leadership, and I think that was one of our major weaknesses. I don't know, looking back, I don't know how. There are a number of things I look back on and think, oh, we could have done better there or done that differently, and, and I would have done X, Y, and Z to fix that problem. The indigenous leadership bit is something I actually haven't got a clue how I would have fixed that problem. That's one of those, just I just can't work out what we would have done uh, differently for that. Um, uh, so yeah, at the end of that first year, that's what we hoped for. And I think in the next five, six, seven years, that, that it worked like that really, really well. Yeah, you said like the low point was those broken relationships where they'd been so good mm. and flourishing and you could see Christ at work to then have those, you know, broken because of safeguarding issues must have been really tough. What were, you know, that being obviously the biggest one, were there other really tough moments during your time on the hill? Yeah, I think, well, I, I burnt out kind of six, seven years in anyway because I'd said too many yeses. I found myself in Tesco's crying over jacket potatoes, full fireworks night that year. And I thought, I'm not really that bothered about jacket potatoes. <laughs> so something's not right if I'm crying over jacket potatoes right now. And because I'm a stubborn what's it, I wouldn't, didn't take time off then. And then I took a sabbatical that was kind of half sabbatical, half recovery time. So that was quite a low point, just, um, but a good point because I realised I just can't carry all this myself. So it was, it was good lessons. I think th those safeguarding issues were difficult because those families were really connected to our whole family. We had a team member join us for about six months and the family really got to know that person and then that person decided we weren't for them. Um, and that was really difficult as well. And we, couldn't see, we didn't see that coming. And I think it's those things that have impact, impacted on us as a whole family, I think, that I found. I don't mind people upsetting me or being upset with me, that's fine. But the stuff that impacted on us as a whole as a family, that was, that was tricky. Um, I think, yes, those, those safeguarding things were kind of when I felt like looking back now we're probably at the top of the crest of what, what we were trying to do um, the other challenge was and I said we gathered all these families and then kids started going to secondary schools and then when you meet after school time and kids have gone to secondary schools and the great thing about Harold Hill is kids aren't stuck really on Harold Hill um, because you drive through Harold Hill at half seven in the morning I bet you're all going to do that tomorrow now to see whether I'm telling the truth or not um, <laughs> is you'll just see loads of different school uniforms so we insisted that our kids went to a local primary school because we wanted them to have the same experience that local kids did. But it became really obvious to us that actually kids leave the hill for schooling and, and all the time we've been there, we've gone to multiple schools all around, some, you know, Brentwood, Shenfield, some travel more into London, whatever. So that's why we didn't have a problem with our kids going off Harold Hill, going to secondary school. Harold Hill. But it just meant having an evening gathering with families um, midweek evening gathering, when you got the kids going off to secondary school, it just suddenly became harder. And that first age group reached that point where they were going off to secondary school and our church friends wouldn't bring any of their mates. <laughs> and I found this fascinating and we never got past it because they felt we really accepted them. Their friends didn't really accept them. So they didn't want their friends judging their kids' bad behavior 
So, you know, so they didn't invite their mates because this was their safe space and, and they knew their mates would come and judge them in this safe space. And, and so, so in some ways, that's a real credit to us that we were able to hold the tension of these families. But at the same time, we're like, no, we want to be growing. In, invite your mates. <laughs> um, so that was a tension. And, and a fair question would be, why don't you try Sunday, Rich? Well, we tried Sunday for three years after we arrived. We started that weekly gathering and we do one week on a Thursday, one week on a Sunday. We tried, we tried so many different ways of meeting on a Sunday, and it never, ever worked. No one ever came out to it. You know, we'd have the odd dribble and drab, but it was just... And it was our kids who were going, why is it only ever us here on a Sunday? You know, at that time, they were like five and six, so they weren't, you, you know, five, seven and eight or whatever. So they were like, I oh, know, because it's Sunday. You've got to do church on Sunday, kids. That's what we're doing. Um, and then I think kind of three years in, we were like, stuff this. We're not doing church on Sunday. It's not working. We'll do midweek. Um, but when those kids reached secondary school, it became a challenge to kind of hold those families together, really. You're talking about families, and this isn't a question we have got That's down right. here. That's right. So you can, we can, um, you can, you can float it. But you know, as a, a family to come to Harold Hill, mm-hmm. were you worried at all? Because I've got to say, one of my highlights, I think, of you being on the hill was seeing Jess and Caleb get baptised. Mm. That was just such a privilege. Um, you know, how was it as a, a family? Was it a sacrifice? Was it something you were worried about? Or did you have a real sense that God was protecting your family and watching over you? I think, I think when we went to Aldo, there was a huge amount of naivety, which I don't know if I'd do it again just because I'm not that naive anymore. But my great-great-great-grandfather was a missionary to Western Samoa. He was the second missionary to that part of the island, and his predecessor had been eaten by the local cannibals. Yeah. So he, he took, he was, he was 19, he took his 16-year-old bride, because they did that sort of thing back in the day, and they you know, spent six months on a boat learning this local dialect language from textbooks that had been sent back by the previous minister. And he went and thrived and brought back eight children and all that lot. And, and I just think, and that's always been in my family heritage, so whenever anybody said to me, oh, Harold Hill, I just thought, my, my great, I know we might question whether that kind of mission to Samoa, like the way he did it now with all we know about mission, but I just think he did that, and survived, and the genuine threat of cannibals, ships in those days weren't that as cool as they are now, that was Titanic era, you know, it's kind of like, and he did that, and he was okay, so I'm pretty sure I can move to Harold Hill, and it will be okay, and I don't think, I don't think I've ever, I genuinely have ever been hugely afraid of anything on Harold Hill, maybe a little bit naivety, a little bit, um, our kids' response to Harold Hill is quite interesting, um, but I won't share that. That's up to them to share. But, it, but you, you know, some of them absolutely love Harold Hill. Some of them can't wait to leave it because of different parts and different families that they've met. So I find that quite fascinating. Um, uh, but no, I, I, I didn't. I mean, when we moved in, in Shoebury into that council ha- flat, I remember a lady ringing me going, oh, there could be prostitutes living next to you and your young family, Richard. <laughs> okay, good. That sounds exciting. Brilliant. I'm going to get to know a prostitute. Never known a prostitute before. That sounds really cool, <laughs> was my response to her. I don't think she was very keen on that response. But um, uh, Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, you know, I need to be careful because is, this has been broadcast, but, but there, are, there are, you know, some people we've got to know who made it quite difficult for us, and I don't think I've ever felt afraid, but it's quite, um, their presence in our lives is quite hard work, and I'm looking forward to being free of it. <laughs> um, and, but I don't want to say more than that, just because, um, if come and ask me privately afterwards, I'll tell you. The, the nosy people who are here, you can ring me up and find out more what I mean. They're all going to ring you now, yeah, Richard, you're going to be very busy this week. Over the years, how did you see Jesus at work, and did you see people's lives changed? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think we did. Um, no, we definitely did. Uh, I think, you know, you talked about Caleb and Jess's baptisms, which were lovely. I think the most powerful one was Jade's baptism. And Jade, when we met Jade, was just a shell of a human through everything that she'd been through. Um, that's for Jade to tell her story, not for me. But she was, she, she, I mean, considering she, when we met her, she was 21. She'd had enough life experience for most 50-year-olds at 21. And and she, um, her watching her get baptised was just amazing, and seeing her carry on that faith. Um, uh, Alison's kind of one-to-one discipled her through that process, and it's, it is one. Of, I think one of the challenges of working with people who are, uh, what's the right word? 
who are low down the pecking order means that when they get jobs, they have to be almost subservient to their employers and things like that. It's not like, you know, middle-class people, we really get to run our diaries. When you're, like, when you're a nursery nurse or whatever and you're working for an unethical boss, you just have to say, you just, if you want to keep the job and you want to keep the semi-benefits come, you just have to do everything that they say to keep them happy. And it's been, it's been a real eye-opener meeting a lot of people who are... Um, uh, care workers, not at Parkside obviously, but uh, care workers in care homes and other places who are treated really very badly and, and in quite hostile employment environments. But to keep that job, they just have to just say yes. And that's meant getting people to be able to prioritise church stuff over that is, is really tricky. Um, but seeing Jade get baptised, listening to her story, see her go on with her faith is amazing. I think the story that touches me the most is, is Gemma. Gemma won't mind me sharing her name because... <laughs> I asked her if I could share this story. I said, I won't share your name. No, tell her my name, Rich. Tell her my name. Okay. I'm not clever enough to do that thing where I change a name because halfway through I'd call her by I'd call her Gemma anyway. Um, but we met Gemma's mum leading a parenting course. Gemma's um, the oldest twin. Uh, sorry, the uh, twins. Her and her sister are the oldest of six. Um, different dads for all of the five sets of kids. Um, mum has some interesting challenges. Um, ran away to Wales to avoid social services intervention in her life. Um, and Gemma and her sister stayed uh, on Harold Hill. And we got to know them quite quickly. It was quite clear that Gemma and her sister were parenting their siblings. That was very, very clearly the issue. And when we got to know them, they were like 13, 14, 15. So um, there was lots going on for that. And then Gemma had a baby at 15. And I think that was one of the most heartbreaking moments because Gemma came with her new baby, Evie, who's a lovely girl now. And Evie and Gemma, we were having craft night at church, and Gemma was 15, and you know the junk modelling stuff, and it was just junk, <laughs> um, masking tape and pens and glue. I don't know why we just did junk modelling, but kids loved it, parents loved it. Um, and, and Gemma just turned up with her week old baby and just handed Evie to me, and then just spent the rest of the night playing with just junk modelling. And just that kind of massive difference between this young lady who has had to be an adult for a number of years, parenting our younger siblings, and is now, she's now a mum, but actually she just wants to make stuff out of cereal boxes. Uh, just a very profound moment. And then kind of when her mum moved away, we kind of lost touch with her a little bit. Uh, and then when she would had her second child, we caught up with her again and she started coming. She's been a regular ever since as she can. Her life's quite chaotic, but I think she manages really, really well under a huge lot of trying situations. But about a year ago, she said to me, oh, do you remember that cake, Richard? I was like, cake? What cake? She had a cake. I said, what? Gemma, you're going to have to give me more than that. You can't remember the cake. I, Gemma, I gen- I, honestly, I'm really sorry. I genuinely don't remember the cake. And, and then when she told me the story, I, like, I, I did have a vague recollection of this. When her and her sister turned 13, we realized that they spent no time with their mum at all because they were busy parenting their siblings. So we asked them, did you want to have a pamper party with your mum at our house? It'd just be your mum and you, you two girls. And um, Alison, I think Lauren as well joined in. Uh, Lauren and Steve were some of the early team members. And um, they'll, they'll do a pamper for the three of you at our house, and I'll look, at, oh, I said, I'll look after the siblings. <laughs> um, I've got a hard job that day. Um, so, so I looked after the siblings, and, and Alison made the girls a cake. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I vaguely remember that, Gemma. Why, why, what, what's so special about the cake? What did Alison make? She said, she said, that was my first ever birthday cake. I was just, even now it makes me want to cry. It just blows my mind. And I think, is Gemma following Jesus? She's trying to, she's kind of got a faith. She certainly wouldn't deny Jesus exists and Jesus is special and she'd ask for prayer and she'd pray for people and things like that. And, may, and I think, did that cake anchor her to every time she saw us thinking? Because I'd forgotten the, about the cake. I mean, even Alison doesn't even remember making the cake. Um, I didn't know the cake existed because I was looking after the other kids. Um, but, but, but that cake, just really, ang- I mean, I think it was more than just the cake. But yeah, we, we have seen people's lives change. We've seen people who have been long-term unemployed into employment. Um, and we have seen people's faith grow. And the other thing that's been slightly strange is we've been a bit of a harbour for people from established church over the years. We've seen just one or two families come who have been kind of burnt out by traditional-shaped church and wanted just a space to kind of find what they described as community, which is, uh, I think is off quite interesting because I'm like, well, we could, we'd like you to stay and you're really good and whatever. And then they'd, when they'd get restored a bit, they'd find the energy to go back to established church, which is fine. That's what church, you know, you're sure you see that here. People move churches. That's just the way of the world these days. But um, 
And that was a privilege to see, and it was a privilege to serve people like that. Um, I think the thing that thrills me is my three kids at the moment are still going on with God. You know, that may not always be the case, but obviously I hope and pray it is. And being on Harold Hill, whilst each of them have interesting reflections of it, they all get it, and they get why we've done it, I think. And they all express a faith in Jesus at the moment. So, so yeah. That's lovely. And, you know, those stories, my goodness me, they're touching, aren't they? If that's real. Hmm. What, have you got any other really high points that you'd want to remember and keep hold of? Yeah, well, there, there are a lot. I mean, we, we have had a lot of fun. I mean, we, we have clowned around an awful lot, and, and, and that has been really good. I mean, we took the men camping. There's a camp, there's a scout campsite just up the road called Crow Lane, which is really close to us, and we took our men's fine. After my first sabbatical, and I went and did this weird men's retreat thing, and there was lots. I thought I'll start a men's fire night, and... Um, I'll start really gently and we'll have some just like silly conversation and then maybe after the second or third time we'll start talking about Jesus but I, I, I started this conversation and it was in the dark and then these blokes just started confessing stuff from their lives and we started talking about Jesus and it was amazing and um, I was like okay God we're not going slow you want to go really quickly here and then men's fire night we went camping and that was just brilliant we went camping twice the second time we got absolutely drowned it rained and rained and rained and um, but it was just great fun and I remember those as as really good highlights we loved a day out at, at, um, at Frinton I mean the, the church annual kind of beach day was just and people come out of the woodwork to come to that that was great fun one year we we put my father-in-law, who's also a good bloke, you can tell him I said that. Um, on t- we, we got a sledge from somewhere, like a like a decorate. I think the children's centre had one that they just sat Father Christmas in, and the kids. And I was like, can I borrow that? And we strapped it onto the top of my car um, and put my father-in-law on the sledge on the top of my car. And in the back of our house, there's a car park, so we had this kids' party at our house, and they were telling about Jesus and. Christmas or whatever and then Santa came by riding on his stage and they couldn't see the car all they could see was this old man and he threw I've never seen kids so, and he threw a sack over the fence and Caleb was going that's my granddad I'm like shut up um, and, and, and and you know that was just yeah another safe and and that was that was just that was just great fun um, the baptisms were great fun we people loved the barbecue I mean the number of just barbecues we've had in the back garden um, we we used to do litter picking, and the kids used to moan about it, but they absolutely loved it. Um, we planted daffodils. I mean, Liz, remember Liz? Liz will be with, was there with us. We just planted loads of daffodils around the school that we used, and um, so and now you see all those daffodils. I mean, they're not planted in any kind of. There's no system to them. They're just these random daffodils that a kid just dug a hole in the ground and put that. But that that was good fun. We did Harold Hill Community Awards Night, where we just invited like local councillors and shops and charities we just said we want to celebrate you and um, we probably would have repeated that but kind of COVID got in the way of that but that was an amazing night we had like 70 80 people turn up and you give people like a cheap trophy that was for like five quid and people are like no one's ever given us a community award this is amazing that was from a church is a bit naff isn't it really but um that was amazing after brexit because harold hill was just, was very pro-Brexit and that created some interesting conversations. We, we did this sticker campaign, not, not being anti-Brexit, but being about like loving your neighbour and caring for people and um, seeking the heart of God, King, God's kingdom. And, and it was like a secret sticker campaign. So we just put stick, these stickers everywhere on bus stops, signposts, everywhere we could get. I mean, I, I felt like such a rebel. I thought I was going to get told off if I got caught by the police or whatever. But we just, the t- uh, Phil and Alex did that with us. We just put these stickers everywhere. And then you'd see on Facebook people going, oh, I love this sticker. What does this mean? And then we printed up God Loves Harold Hill stickers or Jesus Loves Harold Hill stickers. Um, and then about a year later, we just put those everywhere. And just seeing the conversations that kind of came out of that, that was always great, great fun. Um, what else? Dads and kids sports nights at the local school were just brilliant. We'd have loads of dads come down with their kids and um, just just play sport and like, oh, that's Rev Rich and, and that was always just just fascinating. The local school used to ask me to do these spiritual rites of passage with kids and so year fours used to plan the carol service and I just used to give them the Bible passage and let them interpret it. Sometimes you could tell it was the teachers who'd interpret it but it was brilliant when the kids were allowed to just call this thing out of Isaiah Rich? What's that? That's just weird. And they'd paint something out of Isaiah and it looked really weird. And like, actually, there's something profoundly theological in this and you'd unpack it. And we'd see 200 parents come and watch that carol service um, every year. And that was great partnership with 
um, the Anglican Church for a while, and then they couldn't host it for various reasons, and then the um, Evangelical Church. So yeah, there are lots of events that I will look back on, and lots of connections with people that, that were just great fun. The fireworks night was always carnage, a little bit dodgy, but great fun. I remember attending a few fireworks parties, <laughs> and they were great, and absolutely packed, as you said, you know, absolutely packed. Why, what's brought you to the point where you are now? How did you know that it was time to move on? Great question. I think, well, COVID's just messed with everybody, hasn't it, really? So I think that kind of, we found to do church during COVID really difficult because there's only so many times you can go and knock on someone's door and go, how's your week been? Yeah, it's been all right. How's your week been? Yeah, it's been all right. See you next week. Yeah, see you next week. That was kind of like my weekly rhythm during COVID. And I like, in some ways I like COVID because I would walk around and, and I drew, I did this like drawing sheet. I mean, it was rubbish. I mean, I should have brought some example, like naff beyond naff. Um, but I would take the Bible verse that we were going to look at and I'd draw it and write some questions and would have the Bible verse on the back and people would zoom in. And it was fascinating during COVID because the kids stopped joining in on the Zooms, but the adults did. So for the first time, I felt like we had like Bible study almost because the adults, the adults actually got rid of the kids. Go away, I'm on, this is church, I don't want you here. <laughs> was like, actually, we'd like them to join as well. But um, so, so that meant, and the, and the youth group, sorry, highlights, our little youth group, just amazing. Over Zoom, they were great before. During COVID over Zoom, they were incredible. And then the last three months of church, just absolutely wonder. Um, just loved it, absolutely loved it. 10 to 15 kids, all the kids, you remember I said they went off to secondary school and things like that, but they came back to our little youth group and seeing people, kid, the kids grow in that just as human beings was just amazing. Um, but I think for about a year, Alice and I have been going, hmm, what, you know, what's going on? And then I think, um, I remember I said there were some people who had quite oppressive presence in our lives and I think that, that over a weekend just triggered us to go, um, I think it's time to look. And I, I, I I'm not one of these people who believes, like, just open the Bible and God speaks to you through a verse, but I really get onto my poetry, and there's this Christian poet um, called Jared Marrow from Australia. He's an amazing guy, Christian, profound Christian poetry, and I opened um, his poetry book just to read it one morning, um, and there was a poem there actually about him leaving home uh, as a, like, 18-year-old going off to uni, but, but the poem was just, like, God really spoke to me through that, and there was a line in there about, I keep going back to a tap to get... Uh, to nourish my thirst, but there's, but there's only drips coming. And also, I haven't said that very well. It's very poetic, and I've just butchered it. Um, but, but it was this beautiful line about basically returning to a tap that isn't giving you anything. And I, and I really felt God speak to me about that. Not that church is for ministers about what you get, but I just felt actually that well has run dry. And I think, um, I think Alice and I felt that Church 123 was at the point where we'd either have to go again, like almost start again, um, or accept that our time was done. And I think there are, a couple, there are a number of factors in that. We felt we could only go again if we had team members. And you'll know we've been praying for team members for ages, but housing on Harold Hill ain't cheap. And we, so we've had some people show tentative signs, but that just never happened. And we just felt we didn't, I didn't, we, I didn't have the energy to go again on our own. If we'd had team members, that might have been different. But I think there was a tapestry of things, this oppressive presence, um, the fact that it felt like the cycle had naturally almost come to an end. And yeah, there was still stuff we could have done. Um, and I think God's still obviously got his hands on Harold Hill. But for us, it just felt like, like this was the time to be honest with ourselves about what was going on. Which was a little bit scary because Jess has just started year 10. So it's like, what does that mean about schooling? It's kind of one of those weird things like, actually, we, uh, we couldn't, can we really sit this out for another two years? Like, that would be unfair on everybody, including us, those who were faithfully supporting us. It just felt like, if we felt like we were starting to talk about it like that, well, it's, it's time to trust God and, and, and kind of move on, really. So what is next for you? What, what's going to happen now? So while I did the, there's this list of Baptist churches looking, um, it's called The List, creative us Baptists, aren't we? Um, and so basically, I kind of looked at the map and I thought, well, I need, we need to keep Jess at Cooper's if possible. I said, God, we will move Jess away from Cooper's. Caleb was going to sixth form where he could change. He, he could have the hump about it, but he can handle that. Anya was going into year seven. She can handle that. She can handle the move. Um, but Jess dying year 10, we felt that that was quite significant. So I said to God, okay, here's an hour's commute from Cooper's. Kind of looked at the map because um, that's what they do from Harold Hill 
on the bus already, so we thought, well, fair enough, um, they, can, they can carry that on. Um, and then just started trying to look at churches that were in that area, uh, in that geographical area. Um, I won't name them because that's a bit harsh, but we went and looked at a couple, and for different reasons, one felt very much like Harold Hill, and I just felt, crumbs, I don't think I've got the energy to, and to preach. Well, every, they were basically looking for a super minister. I don't quite know how they thought they were going to find somebody to do that role. Lovely people, but like in cuckoo land as to what they were looking for as a minister. But um, I knew Artminster because Artminster is part of the same EBA cluster, and I knew Mark Davison was looking for an associate minister, so I thought he was looking just for that classic um, uh, a new team member to share the pastoral load, and I thought, well, I don't, I don't want to do that, but let's have a look what he's looking for, because I was just being nosy. I mean, I wasn't looking for myself, I was just being nosy. Um, and, then, and then I looked, and the top of the profile said Youth and Families Minister. I was like, ooh, now that is interesting. Um, so I really didn't want to do the easy thing. I felt you know, part of our emotional challenge of leaving Harold Hill is we had felt like representing underrepresented people groups in the church, or not representing, but ministering to them. And the kids go to school in Upminster, that felt like a cheat, just looking at Upminster. So, so I said to Mark, I'd quite fancy a chat, so we had a chat, but I'm, I said to him, I'm going to be honest, we're going to go and look at at least a couple of other churches first, because there is no way that I'm just going to pursue the easy uh, option. Um, it just became really apparent really, really quickly um, that I wasn't ready for them and they weren't ready for us in these other places, <laughs> um, even though it would have worked out practically fine for Jess to stay at Cooper's. Um, so we started talking to Upminster, and I think, look, it is different. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not expecting it to be smooth. They're not expecting it to be smooth because I've told them, it's not going to be smooth, this. Um, you'll have to, we're going to have to be gracious with each other. Um, but they, they've got a brilliant preschool on site. They've got amazing connections with the scouts. Um, Mark, has, Mark is a lovely guy. If anyone's met Mark, he's very different to me. Um, and, and that's the first thing he said to me was, uh, can we work together? And I went, it's going to be interesting. Um, but he is really different. And he's got no ego at all. He's such a lovely servant-hearted man. He's just brilliant. I've really enjoyed getting to know him. I'm on sabbatical at the moment, so Church 123 finished at the end of September, and I'm on sabbatical, and I start at Upminster on the 2nd of January, although I am hoping they'll let me have that as a bank holiday, and they'll let me start on the 2nd of January. Um, but Mark and I were really intentional about saying, let's spend some time together, because we are really different, and so we just kind of named all the elephants in the room, and I was, uh, I, I mean, it, look, we're going to annoy each other at times, that is absolutely definite, but I would annoy anybody I worked with, so that's not, um, poor Alison will just have to give them a manual of what to do, but actually, it was, they've been really healthy conversations, and, and the church there, I think, I think they're good, gentle, kind people, and I think, um, <laughs> well, I hope none of them are listening, but it was, I, I did a family service for my Preach with a View, and Mark described it as a dynamic service, and my three kids were sitting there laughing, because we'd just all had COVID really badly, so I was totally wiped out. It was like Richard Shaw on one out of ten energy levels, and Mark was describing it as a dynamic service of Richard, so the kids are like, they haven't got a clue what they've let themselves <laughs> in for, have they? And I was like, no. <laughs> um, but, uh, but we're really excited, and um, we're hoping to move mid-January um, because they've got a few little tenant issues with the manse, but that seems to all be resolving itself on time. So, um, uh, yeah, no, we're excited. It's going to be different, uh, but I'm looking forward to carrying a different pastoral load, and I'm really excited about getting back to doing youth and family work. I'm carrying on non-perfect dad because... Started a little business halfway through Harold Hill time to make us financially viable there. And uh, God has just opened some amazing doors with that. And Upminster are more than happy for me to carry on the same time divide of that. And again, that'll take a little bit of juggling, but ministry is grace from both sides and we'll, we'll have to work that out. And, um, but yeah, I can't see it being a major problem at all. So yeah, we're really excited. It's exciting days ahead. And Final question from me before I open it up for anybody who might have a question for you. So please think of some good ones. Looking at the hill as you leave, what are your hopes for those people who live there, who it's their home? What are you hoping for those relationships that you've built up? It's a great question. I mean, how it has changed in the last 12 years, <laughs> not because of me, I hasten to add, there's a lot more stickers around, but that... Um, how it has changed, like, people group-wise, there's a lot more af so-called affordable housing right um, there. And I think 
I think there's a great opportunity on Howard Hill and there's a great challenge, and that is that Howard Hill is more diverse than it's ever been, but bringing that diversity together is a real challenge, and I think the church could have a wonderful role in doing that. Um, unfortunately, I see Howard Hill as a bit of a dormitory for middle-class people. Um, they travel off Howard Hill for church, for sports, for, for kids' schools and things like that. Um, and so I think there's a danger that poorer groups will, which won't, the, the number of poor people on Harold Hill won't be shrinking. The people across the road will soon be telling you they've fixed poverty on Harold Hill. That's not, they haven't. It's just because they moved lots of middle-class, richer people in. It's skewed the percentages. Um, and I, I'm, I fear that they may get lost. But there are some great churches doing some great things with those people groups. And so I don't think the church will will forget them. The church on Harold Hill is a really interesting time. Obviously, we've left. The two Anglican ministers have left. The evangelical church ministers left. One of the free church ministers has left. So I think that what is God doing in that and what's God saying in that, that's quite interesting. Um, I mean, Harold Hill is huge. Harold Hill is bigger than Upminster as a place. And you think Upminster has three secondary schools. I mean, again, you just think, like, just irritates me. There is still plenty of work. There's still plenty of opportunity for Baptist mission on Harold Hill if the agencies who now have the opportunity to make those decisions wanted or felt led to to do that. I think there's a huge number of black majority churches on Harold Hill. And we again, that was a nut we never quite cracked in working out how to work together well and successfully. And I think um, there's a great opportunity for, for good partnership or getting alongside or allowing um, a different type of it of, of church heritage to kind of really flourish on Harold Hill and have a massive impact on Harold Hill. Um, for the people that we've met, we've tried to hand them on to people where best. Um, I suppose one of the weaknesses of church planting like us is it, it's very relational on Rich and Allison, and um, so we're going and the people we've handed on aren't Rich and Allison. The Salvation Army Church on Harold Hill is... Absolutely amazing. Like, we've always said if we moved, if we just moved to Harold Hill, that would have been the church we'd have gone to. And um, Phil Wall, the uh, leader there, is just such a, a man of God. And, and I know that he'll keep picking people up. The, the, the interesting thing is when we used to have local church ministers meetings, we all knew those very needy families. Somehow we all had a finger in each of their stories. So I've got confidence that God will keep that. Because local services, well, as you know from your own food bank here, local services just... They're just so stretched now that if the church is offering to do stuff, people will find that. So there's there's so much opportunity on Harold Hill for deeper for, for to be able to serve those on the edges, and it won't take long to find those people on the edges. Uh, but I think there's an exciting opportunity as Harold Hill becomes ethnically, culturally, racially more more diverse, as well as um, income diverse. That there's a, a far there is an opportunity to do something special on Harold Hill. The, our little way of doing church, I think, was probably not helpful for, for that, but somebody else coming in could do, could do something wonderful on it. Ultimately, obviously, I, I, I'm looking forward to people telling me in a couple of years' time, oh, I'll go to church, still know Jesus. You know, that would be, that'd be a lovely chat in a few years' time with some people. Fantastic. Thank you, Rich. Thank you. And no, thank you. Because, you. you know, Romford have been so, so much part of that story, praying for us. Or, or we've always just said, knowing that there's a church praying for us, because... We're, we're activists, we're naff at prayer, and also just, you know, that's the thing we notice when we move from Shoebury, faithful people, usually of a slightly elder generation, but I don't mean that rudely, um, who, who faithfully will go through the notice sheet and pray. It meant a lot to us knowing if we put something in the notice sheet or on the secret Romford Baptist prayer group Facebook page. Uh, knowing people would pray, that was always just a real blessing. So we're just so grateful for your generosity and, and your prayers and your encouragement when we've come down here. Just really appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you all one and all. Well, it's certainly been our honour and our privilege to thank you, be walking here with you at a distance. It's far too often, but it's been a real honour and you've been inspirational thank as well, you. as well as a blessing so many times as a whole family to our church so thank you to thank you for your service and thank you for following god to serve him on the hill because we don't know do we we don't know what lives we're touching what seeds we're planting and we have to trust our father god who's the one who reaps that harvest so thank you for the honor of walking with you guys I'm just remembering, I was just thinking, you just said at the times I came here, and I remember when John 
told me off for squirting toothpaste all over, the, over a tray at the front of church. We don't have food at the sanctuary, Richard, John. Uh, John. I say, it's not food, John, it's toothpaste. But the week before, you made a kid sick during a family service, and I'm just <laughs> laughing about that. And I was able to say, John, Jan made someone sick last week. Go and talk to her. Don't tell me off about toothpaste. Uh, I still got another volunteer to take that <laughs> child's did, place. Uh, that is still my favourite church moment ever. We're, sorry, I, I just started giggling about that. You were trying to be nice to me. I thought, people, look, why is he smiling like that? But yeah, go on. <laughs> it was that child's first day at church as well. <laughs> he did keep coming, bizarrely. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> has anyone got a question that they would like to ask? Which this is your opportunity. You can ask anything you like. Glynis. Yes. Do you want to hear the sick story, Glynis? Is that what you're asking? I can tell it in full. Does Alison have any hopes or dreams about being in Upminster? What are her plans? Thank you. That's a great question. Um, probably that I'm out of the house a bit more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of our, our big Sanderses are going to Upminster. Upminster have been really good, actually. Upminster said, we don't want to buy one, get one free. We recognise Alison's capable church leader. We've led Church 123. Does she want a role here? And they were trying to make that work, but we kind of we stopped that early on and said, well, look, we're, we're forcing this. Alison doesn't really feel a call to do something here yet, so let's not force this. In a year's time, that may become apparent. Um, Alison does, like, her little part of the business is doing forest school sessions. Um, she's really good at that. I mean, teaching kids, all kids should know how to climb trees. When, you take, when she takes kids into the woods and they don't know how to climb trees, it's heartbreaking, but she does education in, in woodland. And so, she, and again, God's just been really good to her. She got offered a little bit more extra work. After we settled in Upminster, one of the schools said, we'd like you to do a bit more extra work from September. So that replaces her, because she's got some givers who give to her, so that replaces that income side. But she's going to carry on doing that for a bit. Um, and I think, she, yeah, I mean, it's going to be weird, because, like, today we... We, we had a bit of a row because I was like, Why? we need to get these things for the deacons. She's like, I don't know how many deacons. I guess you do. You've been to the meetings. Like, no, you've been to all the meetings. I haven't been. Remember, we're not doing this together. Oh, yeah, you're right. I, you don't know, do you? Sorry. Um, so, so it's going to be a bit weird for us separating that. But to be honest with you, our kids are at that age where they're so ridiculously busy. And we kind of partly run a business together. And we're looking forward to having that leading a church together, pressure taken out of our marriage just for a little bit of time. But it will feel weird because we, I've just been very blessed with that very similar call. She's going to carry on doing the Forest Schools thing. She did this well-being walk thing on Harold Hill, which is a Facebook page. That's nearly, I think it's nearly got like a 1,000 followers now. Just every week. But, um, she's put on there, we're not doing this anymore. It's Harold Hill well-being walks. And people still keep liking it. So she might ditch the Harold Hill bit. She might do that in Upminster. But she, yeah, we, we value your prayers for her that she finds her feet in kind of what she's going to do as we transition from kind of husband-wife ministry into not doing that. But I'm pleased for her that she's going to be able to just be Alison in that sense for, for a bit of time as well. But thank you for asking. That's a really good question. I hadn't spoken about my wife at all tonight, had I? Isn't that awful? Dreadful. I think what's come across is that it's team. You yeah, know, it you, is. It you is and Alison yeah, yeah. were very much a team, weren't you, in your mm. ministry? And yeah. Anyone else got a question? Well, Rich. How can we be praying for you guys, for the Hill, for mm. Upminster? <laughs> we How can we pray for you? Oh, well, I think just the practical, the thought of moving after 12 years fills me with dread. I'm not going to lie. The actual physical, I'm excited about the job, I'm not excited about moving, but the actual physical act of moving, I'm dreading. Um, I think really that my, our kids settle into the church. I mean, I think to be honest with you, that, you know, that, that's my you know, as a dad and just want my kids. And when, when we told the kids we were moving, they were like, we're not moving, are we? It's like, we well, are, but listen to us properly because it might not be as bad as you think. And Caleb went, oh, phew, we're going to be going to a proper church. I was like, you cheeky what? <laughs> um, but yeah, how they settle in there, um, there's a little youth group there. So I think I'll be ringing Hannah for loads of advice. And just so that the kids settle in would be really good. I think, but I learned the word no in the next couple of weeks. That would be really useful for me. Um, uh, and I think, you know, our approach will be the same. I just want to hear stories when I get, I just want to meet with loads of people and hear what God's doing, and I'm excited about that. Um, but I think I need to 
be a bit more patient. And, and in this sabbatical, it's been really good for stripping some stuff back. And I've been, been really challenged by God about some things like that. So that's been really helpful. For our friends on Harold Hill, I think, um, you know, I want to avoid the cliche of where well, we've sown seeds, but we, you know, I suppose that's what we were doing. And we pray that God waters them. And whether it's us, Anglicans, Pentecostals, I don't care, you know, never felt territorial over who gets to reap the, the fruit of that and just just pray that um, those seeds and those connections uh, grow, really. And I think, you know, like yourselves and Upminster, as we come out of the pandemic, um, you know, what does church look like? We recognize it's going to change. I reckon you guys are probably struggling to get volunteers and Sunday group morning groups and things like that. Not because I'm judging Romford, but because that's the story I'm hearing from every church minister that I speak to. And Upminster is no different. So I, I think we just need to pray that we have some wisdom. Hannah and I have had some conversations. How do we do church on a Sunday morning for kids when there's no leaders and things like that? And um, what, does that what does church look like moving forward? And that's exciting because as a pioneer, I, I don't care. You know, so I know some people are Mr. Will. Um, but, um, and that's fine. And as just that we're able to have gracious conversations about trying to find that forward really does that answer the question i think yeah, it does no, cool. Cool. let's let's pray for Thank you guys you. if that's okay let's pray father god we just thank you so much for rich and allison and the family father thank you for the call that you placed on their lives so many years ago and the way that you led them to harold hill the way that you've used them in harold hill the way that as a family father god they've been ministering for you in that place. And Father God, we just thank you for the journey that you've taken them on. We thank you for those lives that have been touched, for those relationships that have been built. And Father God, we just pray that you would continue your work of grace in those people's lives. Father, we pray particularly for those relationships that um, were broken because of um, sin and pain and hurt and Father God, we just pray that, Lord, those relationships, even though they ended up distanced, that, Father God, those families involved would know that Alison and Rich really loved them, really cared for them, and really sh wanted to share your love with them too. And so we pray into the lives of each one of those precious people that, God, you would continue your work of grace in their hearts and their lives. And, Father God, even though they might not have seen loads of people coming to know you or, or growing in their faith, Father God, we just thank you that actually you have used them and you have been at work. And, Father, I thank you for the way that Rich and Alison and the children have sought to follow you. Father God, we thank you for their three children. We thank you for Caleb, Jess, and Anya. And Lord, as they make the move, we just pray that they would uh, quickly settle into their new home, that they would quickly settle into their new church, and that, Father God, they would make some really good friendships there, some uh, other Christian young people who will come alongside them and that they can continue to grow together. Lord, bless those three children, and we pray that they'd continue to grow in their relationship with you. Father, for Rich and Alison, as they prepare for the move, Lord, we pray that you'd help them. It's huge to have to move and to move your family. And Father God, we just pray that all of uh, the bits and pieces that need sorting out would fall into place. We pray that the home they move into would... Um, just be right for them and that they would soon feel at home in that place. Lord, bless them, we pray, and Father, for that fellowship. We thank you for the way that you've led them to call um, Alison and Rich to join them. And Father, we just pray that it would be a real blessing. We pray that as a church in Upminster, they would have a really bright light for you, that their witness for you would be increased because of um, working as a team there. And Father, we pray for unity. We pray for love. We pray for understanding. We pray that you'd use all of their different gifts together so that, Father God, they would be a, a brilliant team who seek to shine your light and to share your love. And so, Father God, we pray your blessing over Richard Allison and the family, over the church in Upminster. We pray your blessing. 
And God, we look forward to hearing how you're working and moving in that place in even newer and greater ways. Lord, thank you for this time that we've walked through with Rich and Alison. Thank you for the honour and the privilege of being part of that journey. And Lord, we just pray that for us as a fellowship, that again, you would be leading and directing us as we look to the future. As we start a new period without Church 123 on the doorstep, Lord, help us to know how to reach out to our community, how we can make a difference to the people that we meet with day by day, for the people who come in through the food bank or through parent toddlers or whatever it is that God you would help us to be your light in this place, that we might see many people coming to know you. And Father God, I just pray for us too as individuals. Father, today it feels like you've been speaking to, even if it's just one person in our fellowship, we pray that you would open our ears, open our hearts, give us the courage to follow you to push open the doors that you're leading us through. Father God, I just pray that that call that you've placed on someone's heart today would be answered and that they would have the courage to follow you. Father, we thank you for this time together and we thank you for this past 12 years. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, buddy. Feel free to ask Rich all those difficult questions <laughs> in a few minutes. But we're going to finish with a song that Rich, you've chosen, Take My Life and Let It Be. Do you want to say anything about why you've chosen that song? Yeah, oh, it's just brilliant. And um, yeah, Mark asked me to choose my induction songs this week, and then you were like, what songs do you want? I was like, I'll oh, just nick two of those. Yeah. And I had this at my ordination, and I want it at my funeral. Um, and um, I, yeah, I, I think it, it just richly for me encaptures that the every Christian's call of sacrifice to follow Christ at work, at home, in family, um, however uh, God is calling you uh, and wherever you find yourself this coming week. Take my life, Lord, and let it be wholly consecrated um, to you. <laughs>